AppDynamics has launched AppDynamics Cloud. Ingest all metrics, events, logs, and trace data and visualize your full stack of cloud-native architectures at scale. Learn more and observe what matters at appdynamics.com slash promo. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe. My goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, today's episode is a little bit different than some of the other episodes we've published here on the Full Stack Journey. As some of you may know, if you're followers of my personal blog, I do this series called the Technology Short Takes, and I've been doing that for quite a while. I'm up to episode 160. That means I published 160 of these. And before I started doing technology short takes, I was also doing a similar set of short takes, but focused on, you know, like I had a virtualization short take and a storage short take and that kind of thing, and then combined them later on in the technology short take. And over the years of doing these, I have had people say, hey, you know, I'd love for you to do, you know, a YouTube channel with some audio takes on, on these articles, or maybe, you know, uh, an audio version, uh, you know, video version on YouTube or audio version or whatever. And so we've decided to bring the technology short takes to the full stack journey. And we're doing a technology short takes audio edition right here in episode 71 of the full stack journey podcast. And so our episode today is going to be talking about three different career focused articles that I have published or in an exclusive will be publishing, uh, included in a technology short take. And I just want to kind of share, uh, you know, a little bit about the article and then talk about what it meant to me and sort of the thoughts that came out um, from reading the article. And I'll have links to all of the articles in the show notes on the Packet Pushers website for this episode. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, hey, I want to go read this article that Scott just mentioned, that's fine. Just go to the Packet Pushers website, look at the um, post for this uh, episode, and uh, there'll be links there. So um, let's start out with our, our first article. And uh, the first article is uh, by uh, Lydia Leon. Um, and I apologize if I, you know, uh, don't get people's names quite correct. But Lydia is a, uh, a Gartner analyst. This article she wrote is not uh, an official sort of Gartner post, but um talks about the, the challenge or the risk to cloud adoption because of a skills gap in uh, cloud-related skills. And so in the article, Lydia is talking about how, you know, companies are, are trying to make this transition to the cloud, but to be successful um, in adopting cloud IaaS, uh, infrastructure service or, or platform service, or even in some cases, you know, SaaS offering software as a, as a service, you you need a, a new set of technical skills, and these new set of technical skills really are around sort of the the whole application lifecycle in the cloud. That's how she describes it in her article. Those are the words she uses. You know, the whole application lifecycle in the cloud, and that um, means it's not just about you know deploying applications to the cloud, but it's about architecting applications for the cloud and developing applications for and in the cloud, and then you know, deploying them to the to the cloud, securing that cloud environment, operating and managing the applications that have been deployed um, in that cloud environment. So there's this whole range of skills that are necessary for companies to be successful. And the more sort of, quote unquote, cloud natively you can do this, then sort of the better off you are, according to Lydia. 
Um, but the problem based on sort of, you know, things that she's observed, and this is even something that I mentioned in a, in a, a presentation I did some years ago, and I'll put a link to that presentation in the show notes, is that there's a cloud skills gap. And that is that organizations need people with these cloud skills, and they're having a hard time finding people with these relevant you know, with these relevant skills. And so therefore there's this skills gap. And according to Lydia in, in, in her own research and in talking with her colleagues, you know, this, this cloud skills gap has now reached a crisis level for many organizations, meaning that they are, um, their ability to adopt the cloud and migrate to the cloud is uh, significantly impacted by their ability to hire and retain, or even in some cases retrain people with the necessary qualifications, right? Um, now, I, I, I mentioned this article for a, a few different reasons. One, I wanna look at sort of what Lydia says in regards to what does it mean? What does this term cloud skills, you know, what, what does this mean, right? And then I wanna tie it back to some of the other episodes that we have recorded here on the Full Stack Journey, plus a little bit of a tie to why the Full Stack Journey even exists. Uh, you know, the whole reason behind this podcast. Um, so let, let's start with that latter thing in terms of like why, what this has to do with, with the Full Stack Journey. I, I first started the Full Stack Journey podcast because I, at the time I thought, hey, you know, this idea of a full stack engineer, somebody who can operate at multiple levels is something that might be worthwhile pursuing, right? Um, and, and the reality is like, the the truth of being a quote unquote full stack engineer is probably more of a myth than a reality in that it, there's just too much knowledge for any one person to be able to do all of these things. But we can and should um, explore um, as we talk about in the in sort of the tagline for the show and the introduction for the show, we should be exploring this full stack of technologies that are present in the, today's data centers and public cloud environments. And we should be familiar with a lot of these. We may not be sort of uh, an expert at all of them, because I don't know that that's possible, but we should be familiar with all of these and we should have a couple different you know, areas of expertise. And I'm gonna come back to this, this idea of a few different areas of expertise in one of the other articles I'm gonna talk about in the show. Um, and so I started the Full Stack Journey podcast to kind of help talk about people who have made career transitions and are picking up new skills and then now you know expanded that to, to include hey, here are some other technologies that I think you should be aware of that you might wanna know about that might be impacting your, your career, your job, your role at your organization, whatever the case may be. And so to hear uh, you know, Lydia and others talk about this cloud skills gap tells me that you know, we uh, here uh, on the Full Stack Journey podcast, like we're, we're trying to step right in that gap and address it by giving all of our listeners access to resources and to experts who come on the show that talk about some of the skills and the and the projects and the products that are needed to help fill this cloud skills gap, right? Um, and that's been our, our, our theme all along is bringing in people to talk about uh, topics like learning new technical subjects or uh, making career transitions or working with technologies like, you know, Kubernetes or serverless or, you know, infrastructure as code, whatever the case may be, right? We, we've explored all kinds of open source projects and all kinds of commercial products and talked to all kinds of people that have been involved all in, a, in an effort to try and help listeners, for lack of a better term, level up and, and become more relevant in this market where these cloud skills gap, again, now is, is you know, crisis level, right? So what are these cloud skills that we're talking about? Well, 
Lydia points out a few things, and these align, I think, fairly closely with sort of what's in in, in my mind as well, and and why we've talked about the things that we've talked about here on um, the full stack journey. So, you know, when you begin to adopt uh, successfully adopt cloud optimized or cloud native sort of uh, approaches, right? Then the jobs that IT people have begin to fundamentally change. And Lydia calls this out in her article um, and talks about some of the impacts that this has on a job. Um, and so, you know, we may be looking at jobs where there's a much more pronounced focus on automation and coding skills, right? Which is why here on the Full Stack Journey, we've talked about automation in a variety of contexts. You know, most recently in August of this year, we had co-authors on a network automation book that you know I'm working on with them uh, talking about network automation and how to over you know overcome the challenges with getting started with network automation. We've talked about network automation uh, a number of times on the show and even automation in other contexts. And we've talked about you know learning developer tools and developer practices. We discussed that in April uh, of this year uh, in episode 65. We've talked about learning programming languages all the way back in August of uh, 2020 in episode 45. We talked about learning Go. Um, and if you go even farther back than that, you know, we've had focus on infrastructure as code um, in episode 35 in October of 2019. We had uh, Gareth Rushgrove on to talk about testing and validation for infrastructure as code because infrastructure as code is a big part of this successful cloud optimized cloud native approach to doing things, right? Um, so clearly automation is going to be a, a major part of a uh, a skills portfolio that is tailored to helping with this cloud skills gap. Um, you can expect that people are going to have a more project-driven workday. They're going to have greater autonomy. Um, and that means that you have to be a little more of a self-starter. You have to be a little more of a self-motivator. There's going to be greater communication and collaboration across teams. So if you're an IT professional who, you know, has not begun to adopt and really embrace sort of these things that I'm talking about and that Lydia mentions in her article, then this may be something for you to think about because as your organization or other organizations seek individuals to help fill that cloud skills gap, that these are the kind of jobs, these are the, the attributes, if you will, of the kind of jobs that are going to be available. Um, and you want to make sure that you are optimizing your skill set um, and your experience and your ability to address these needs sort of head on, right? And obviously, we're here uh, on the Full Stack Journey to try and help with that as much as we can by bringing guests on and talking about technologies and products and and and, and help all of you readers and, and listeners um, become better prepared to help fill that cloud skills gap. Now, this article from Lydia um, first appeared in um, Technology Short Take 160, which is the latest published episode as of the recording of this podcast. Um, so um, I'll have a link for uh, her article in the show notes, and you can also go pick it out. Um, I'll have a link to the Technology Short Take where it was published also in the show notes. So you can go have a look at that and uh, read the article yourself. I highly recommend it. There's lots of great information in the article. And uh, Lydia does a great job, um, as would be expected, of uh, you know kind of talking about how to address this cloud skills gap, not just from an individual perspective, which is how I've looked at it, but she also addresses it from sort of an organizational perspective, right? Um, which I think might be useful for some of you out there who are listening, who might be managers or directors and are trying to figure out, you know, how do I... How do I prepare my team and that sort of thing? We'll get you back to Full Stack Journey after this from sponsor AppDynamics. AppDynamics Cloud is observability for your cloud-native stack. Feed AppDynamics Cloud telemetry, and it will feed you visualizations and insights about your applications and infrastructure. 
AppDynamics Cloud is purpose-built to observe your full stack of cloud-native architectures at scale. Ingest and visualize all metrics, events, logs, and trace data across your entire technology landscape. And a key idea behind AppDynamics Cloud is to help you make use of all that telemetry. Correlate it between systems, map your dependencies, the relationships, even your ephemeral services. Look across domains to understand how a slow stack component is impacting the rest of the system and get to the root cause of production impacting issues quickly. AppDynamics Cloud is more than just troubleshooting, though. The tool offers AI-driven insights designed to point out issues before they become problems for your enterprise. So be proactive. Stay ahead of failures to maintain availability and optimize performance. With AppDynamics Cloud, you can make sense of the current state of the entire IT stack all the way to the end user. And from there, you can take action to optimize costs, help the business maximize revenue per transaction, and better secure data. Learn more and observe what matters at appdynamics.com slash cloud tour promo. That is appdynamics.com slash cloud tour promo. And now back to Full Stack Journey with Scott Lowe. Second article I want to talk about is um, an article on, on learning a technical subject. And this was um, published by, as best I can tell, the author is not clearly listed on the um, site, but it looks like um, Murat Dermibas. Um, and again, I apologize if I got your name pronounced incorrectly. But uh, in, in the article, uh, Murat talks about sort of what their learning process is, right? How they go about learning a technical subject. And I think this is really important because uh, this is a topic I've discussed before. Like learning is a key part of being an IT professional. Uh, and again, this goes back to why the Full Stack Journey podcast exists. It goes back to why I write and blog and speak at, at user group meetings and, and meetups and that kind of stuff because uh, the pace of technology change is constant. Like it, it's it's accelerating. It's There's change always occurring, right? Um, I've gotten presentations on this in the past about how, you know, like the only constant in in life is change. And, uh, and this is particularly the case for, I think, for technology professionals, right? Um, the technology that you worked with a year ago is not going to be the same technology you work with now or even the technology you work with a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. And so really understanding sort of how you learn something and optimizing your process for learning is a huge long-term benefit to you because this is not something you're going to do just once. And this is not something you're probably even going to do just twice. You're going to have to continue to learn and grow and change over the entire length of your career. Some of us will have the, the ability to make significant shifts in careers going from like one entire side of, of the technology space to an entirely different side of the technology space, which are really, really big changes. Uh, but all of us will be involved in learning new technologies, new projects, um, new ways of doing things, right? Now, this article first appeared in Technology Short Take number 158, which I'll have a link for in the show notes, and I'll have a link to the article itself in the show notes. But in the article, uh, Murat just kind of shares, you know, hey, learning is, is a messy process and, and, and they need context. They need not just like rules and principles, but sort of like how this thing fits in and where it fits in and why it fits in there, right? And the, the key takeaway for me out of the first part of this article is that you really need to understand how you learn. Some people will learn by reading. 
and looking at rules and principles and guidelines. Some people will learn by watching, seeing a video, watching somebody demonstrate it, that kind of thing. Some people will learn um, by doing, and doing will be a big part of that. And we'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, but you need to understand how you learn. What is the best way for you to learn? Um, I think I've shared in the past, uh, you know, sort of my process for learning, which is, you know, I go through and I sort of make a, a glossary of all the terms so that I can understand when I do read the context or the read the text or the, uh, the documentation for something that I'm not caught off like, oh, what does this word mean in this context of this, you know, project? Um, and then I'll begin to just go take notes and uh, try to map out the space in terms of, you know, what, what are the big sort of concepts here and how are they related and how do they link back to other things that I already know, that sort of thing, right? And then I'll just kind of continue making those passes and go deeper and deeper. Um, and then I also, and this is, leads us to our next point, is that I'll start doing it hands-on. And I think hands-on is an important part for everyone, even if you learn well by reading or you learn well by listening or you learn well by seeing, I think you also need to learn well by doing. And here, I think it's important to point out that when you start doing, you're going to fail, right? And that's actually a good thing when you fail. When you, when you try this thing and it messes up and you're like, I don't understand why this is broken and I can't figure it out, that's when most of the learning happens. Like learning happens when we make mistakes. And uh, the author of the article uh, points that out, right? Uh, that they learn by making mistakes. And I think this is true for a lot of people. You know, a person's natural curiosity helps here because it kind of pulls you into new things around a technology subject that you're learning or any any subject that you're learning, whether it's a, a you know an additional language or a skill of playing a musical instrument or whatever the case may be. Um, but if everything sort of just works when you do it, you're not really ever going to be forced to dig any deeper and gain that deep knowledge that you really need. And the uh, author Murat here shares this this story. I think it's something that he actually, uh, he or she actually wrote like a while ago about gifted writers and non-gifted writers and how gifted writers, you know, they just, they write and everything just happens and non-gifted writers, they have to, they have to dig in and they have to train um, to keep going, keep succeeding, you know, to, to be able to, to um, really, you know, learn the process of writing. And then when, you know, something happens and that gifted writer loses their inspiration, they're, they're lost because they don't know how to, how to, how to, how to, how to keep going, right? Whereas the person who has had to really dig in and learn that, they, they've already trained for that. They've already you know, figured out how to do that. So they, they're able to keep pushing through. And I think that's, that's this, you know, this learning by making mistakes is you, you, you fail and that forces you to dig deeper. It forces you to pick up other topics, pick up other things, and then, and then you, you learn in a deeper way, right? Um, and then, Two other takeaways from this article before I move on to the third article that I want to discuss. The, the first thing is, is that new things need to be connected to old things. And uh, the author points this out. Um, and it's also important to kind of revisit things, right? Like you can't just go through something once and then you're going to retain it. You have to come back to it again. This is a key concept in learning a foreign language, for example, when you start using a spaced repetition system, for example, to remind yourself of vocabulary and concepts that you're learning in a foreign language. Uh, but you, you need to connect these new things to old things. How do these new things that you're learning relate to something you've already learned? And you can build a bridge between some area of expertise you already have to this new area of expertise and understand, uh, both be able to compare and to contrast what is what you already knew with what you are learning 
um, and how these two things may or may not relate to each other, how they may or may not interoperate or interconnect, um, how they might both be related to a third topic, which may inform you about something else that you need to learn or investigate. Um, so talking about context and sort of the bigger picture is important, right? The second key takeaway that I wanted to bring up before we move on is, is this idea of like, when you know something well, you're able to teach it well. And, or, or if you aren't, the other way of looking at it is if you're not able to teach it, then maybe you don't understand it well enough, right? And um, this is, I think, something that uh, a lot of people sort of intuitively know, but maybe they don't force themselves like this. There isn't a forcing function to do this. So I want to just throw this out there as something like, maybe this should be a reason that readers and listeners should consider blogging or doing videos or you know, participating in podcasts or um, anything of that nature, right? To share the information that you have, um, which helps solidify your understanding of that information. It forces you to really make sure that you're able to explain it clearly and succinctly to somebody else. And um, an episode back in May of this year, episode 66, um, was kind of touched on this topic a little bit where um, uh, our guest, uh, Duan Lightfoot, came on and talked about uh, TweetThread. In that TweetThread, uh, he was talking about, you know, sharing that information. And, and not everybody, you know, is, is going to be good at doing a blog. And not everybody's going to be good at doing YouTube videos. Not everybody's going to be good at doing a podcast. And not everybody necessarily needs to. But there are lots of different ways that you can give back to others around you in your community, whether it's, you know, um, you know, lunch and learn type scenarios where people share things they've learned over lunch or whether it's meeting up with other users at a user group meeting or a technology meetup in your area. Um, even if you aren't presenting, just there discussing, talking, sharing is all going to help, right? Um, as humans, we, we thrive on interconnection. So go out there and get interconnected. All right. Third article that I want to talk about uh, today in this um, audio edition of the Technology Short Takes uh, is an article um, by uh, Cedric Chin. And the article is on this topic of career moats. And the article is a career moats 101 article, like, you know, introduction level to career moats. Um, now, this is a uh, an audio edition exclusive because this link has not made its way into one of the Technology Short Takes on uh, my blog. Um, so I'm sharing it here with you first. Um, and you'll get a chance to read it and sort of think about it. Um, but this idea of career moats is something that uh, I hadn't formally been introduced to. Um, so when I found the link to this article, and I actually got to this article from another article that has been shared in a technology short take around burnout. But uh, career moats, the idea of a career moat is that um, you are, um, as an individual, maintaining your ability um, over uh, or maintaining your, your ability to be competitive um, or maintain competitive advantages over others in the job market um, or over the course of your career, all right? Um, the basic gist here is that you, you, you're not worried about being able to find work um, because you have built a career moat that protects you from the competitive, uh, in many ways, it protects you from the competitive forces in the market. Now, um, this is one of those things that, to me at least, once I read through this, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that, that makes sense. It's, yeah, that, that's fairly, you know, that, that's fairly common sense, right? Um, but it may not be something that any of us have really stopped to think about and really consider, um, are we making career decisions, job decisions with that idea of a career mode in mind, right? Um, 
Now, uh, before we you know continue on talking about this, it might be helpful to kind of talk about Cedric's explanation of you know what is a career mode, what does it look like, and what does it consist of, that kind of stuff. Um, Cedric describes a career mode as as being uh, or consisting of what he calls rare and valuable skills, quote unquote, rare and valuable skills. Um, now, you might look at that and hear that and be like, well, duh, of course, somebody who has rare and valuable skills has a career mode, right? But rare and valuable skills can mean a lot of different things, right? Um, it could also be a rare and valuable combination of skills. So if you're someone who has experience in two or three or four areas, which in and of themselves may be reasonably valuable, but the combination of those is unusual or uncommon, then that could be your career mode. You could lean into that as your career mode, right? Um, it could be rare and valuable skills as being skills that were obtained, the expertise that you built before it became valuable, right? And now it is in demand. Um, now, uh, both of these, I think, tie back to um, why we do this show and, and why we talk about the things we talk about, right? Um, first, in sort of that rare and, and valuable combination of skills is that, uh, you know, I want the podcast to be helpful in allowing listeners to gain exposure to new things that they may not have considered that may make sense to combine with their existing skill set and may help create this idea of career mode because it is a an unusual or uncommon combination of skills that they've managed to nurture and create, right? But also the idea of obtaining skills before they become valuable is kind of one of the reasons why we talk about a lot of new technologies and new cutting edge technologies here on the podcast. And uh, and that's to say, well, hey, this is something that looks like it may have some impact here. And so here are some resources you can use to go talk about this, go learn about it, go become proficient with it, and then build yourself a, a career mode, right? Um, so when we talk about, when Cedric talks about, you know, rare and valuable skills, right? We're talking about things that might be valuable before they became um, sort of broadly needed, um, or it might be something that, you know, is, is uncommon because um, it's, uh, it just, it's, it's not necessarily attractive or, you know, trendy or whatever, but it's still valuable. It's, it's rare. Um, the example Cedric gives in the article is, you know, um, COBOL programmers, <laughs> right? Um, there aren't a lot of them and a lot of new programmers are not learning COBOL. So if you are a skilled COBOL programmer, then you have a rare and valuable skill because it's not very common. Um, it's rare, right? And uh, and so it could be that. Um, or it could be a combination or it could be a combination of skills, something that you've done before that you know a lot of people don't know or haven't done combined with something newer or whatever the case may be. Um, the article is absolutely great, great article to read. Highly recommend you go look at it. Um, there is one more thing I want to pull out of the article. Actually, not, that's wrong. There's two more things that I'm going to pull out of this article. First, um, Cedric provides a great sort of framework of questions when you're evaluating a career move that will help you evaluate that career move in the context of a career uh, a career mode, right? Um, for example, am I taking a job that will teach me skills that are or will be rare and valuable? Um, what are they? And how do I know that I'll be able to learn them? Um, uh, are they rare because uh, the ability the, the path to gain them is not very common or not very well known, um, or maybe it's a difficult path to gain them, right? Um, Cedric refers to that path as being, uh, quote unquote, opaque, um, the path to the skills being opaque. Not, it's not something that um, is, you know, well known on how to get to that point, right? Um, is it rare because um, it's not clear that it's 
valuable yet, right? So this would be an example of like investing in technologies that you believe to be, uh, are gonna be impactful, but they haven't yet become obviously impactful. Um, an example from my own career is I started looking at virtualization in uh, the early 2000s, um, uh, you know, like 99, 2000, 2001. And I remember talking to an individual who was I was working with in, in 2001. And I was talking about virtualization and virtual servers and subdividing physical hardware. And I was I was excited about it. I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. And the other person looked at me and it's like, I don't understand why you'd want to do that. I felt like this was something that was going to be impactful. So I invested in that skill set before it became hugely valuable, right? Um, and then it, you could might be in the same situation. You might be looking at investing in skills and technologies that are you feel are emerging but haven't become obviously, um, you know, valuable yet, right? Um, is it uh, is this um, career move going to be uh, something that will help me create a career combination? Is it something that um, it's rare because it's hard to get to? Uh, but the, and so this career job is going to help me. Um, are there others that have followed the same path? These are some of the questions that uh, Cedric asks in the article about evaluating career changes um, with a career mode in mind. And he also has links back to one of my absolute favorite books by Cal Newport, which is uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You, which I absolutely love that book. Highly, highly recommend that uh, you read it if you get the opportunity to do that. Now, final point that I wanted to bring out from this article is what Cedric refers to as strategic inflection points. And this is something like, okay, there's a change coming in an industry, in a technology, whatever the case may be, right? And that inflection point is going to shift the market. It's going to change how things work. It's going to change skills, all that kind of stuff. Now, um, in the article, the author lays out, uh, you know, a discussion of um, Andy Grove and his book, uh, Only the Paranoid Survive, talking about inflection, strategic inflection, inflection points and how to um, if, evaluate them and all that kind of stuff. And they give some great kind of pointers on how to determine what is a strategic inflection point. But I actually think this is something that um, we touched on in episode 51 in February of 2021 with Masaru. Massimo uh, Rayferi, um, former VMware colleague of mine, now at AWS, and we talked in that in that podcast episode about sort of like why do we make the career shifts that we make, and when is it the right time, and how do you know you're ready? Um, and I think all of that plays into this. Um, and I also want to tie this discussion that we're having back to the very first article that I brought up. We, we, we've been talking about career moats and this combination of rare and valuable skills. And then we started out the episode uh, talking about a, an article that's discussing a cloud skills gap and talking about skills that organizations need, i.e. skills that are valuable, right? And so it seems to me that there's a, an opportunity here for folks to be able to capitalize on that cloud skills gap and build some skills that are valuable because of their demand right now. Um, that may not build you a career moat, but it certainly might advance you in your career. And if you evaluate decisions around the, what cloud technologies you're going to learn and adopt and become experienced and fluent in, then you may be able to build yourself a career moat of uh, you know, a rare and valuable combination of skills, things that you've learned in the past, plus things that you've known. Perhaps you get an opportunity to do a job where you are helping migrate from on-premises technologies where you're very, very good now 
to uh, you know, a public cloud provider, one of the big three or something like that, where you're going to build additional skills. And so that gives you, uh, you know, a valuable sort of career combination of skills and in, in, in repatriating workloads or maybe bringing workloads back from the public cloud, right? Not a super common thing, but it does happen from time to time. So um, these are some things just to think about. But watching for strategic inflection points, I think is also very helpful. And it also ties back to what we were talking about, about obtaining skills before they are considered valuable, right? If you're watching for those strategic inflection points, then you might be able to detect one and make a career shift and obtain certain skills before they become greatly obvious, which then again, helps you build that sort of insulation in your, in your career and protect you. So, um, so that's it um, for uh, the three articles that we're doing in, in this episode of the Full Stack Journey. It's our technology short take audio edition. Um, I'll have links to all of the articles in the show notes. Um, so you can go back and read these articles. I'd love to hear what you find interesting or useful or, or helpful out of these articles. So feel free uh, to reach out to me, your host, Scott Lowe. I can be found as at Scott underscore Lowe on Twitter. You're also just welcome to hit the podcast up directly. We have our own Twitter handle on the podcast at FSJ Podcast on Twitter. Um, so that's it for this episode, listeners. I want to thank you again so much for joining me on this episode. I would love to hear your feedback, as I mentioned, on this episode or on any episode of the podcast. So don't hesitate to reach out. You can contact the Twitter handle directly for the podcast at FSJ Podcast. Again, you can reach me at Scott Lowe, uh, Scott underscore Lowe on Twitter. Either way, it's fine. And this is the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where too much learning is never enough. <laughs>